Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. All right, guys, welcome back to the pod. We're going to get to our fun conversation with Maddie Kelly, who, of course, caddies for Mark Leishman here. But I want to update you guys a bit on just our general plan for content and podcast schedule leading up to Augusta here. Hope you guys all got a chance to listen to the Bones interview. That was one of our favorites and probably one of the ones we've gotten the most feedback on in the history of this entire podcast. That's some some next-level insight that I'm not sure you can get uh, anywhere anywhere else from a guy like that. So I uh, hope you guys check this out. We're running this podcast on this Friday. This is Matty Kelly. He's caddy for Mark for a long time. There's a lot of information in this podcast. He's got a fantastic story. If you're just interested in the Augusta part, that should come in somewhere around the 25-minute mark. It depends on how long I ramble here here in this intro um, but there's a, a plenty of stuff on Augusta some nitty-gritty details we want to get some master's history like that kind of stuff with um, with bones but also kind of from somebody who's going to be at Augusta this year and somebody who's got some very current experience at Augusta thought his insight would be greatly appreciated and it's pretty awesome uh, next week next Monday we're going to roll a podcast with Andy Johnson from the fried egg just talking about Augusta National uh, the history behind it all the changes they've made and what what he believes about it from an architectural standpoint really enjoyed talking with Andy uh, and then hopefully on Tuesday we're going to run just a group pod with us kind of making our picks for the week um, and then hopefully as well we may be interviewing one player that may or may not be playing in it this year um, but not, not positive that's going to happen so a lot of content coming uh, if you guys could help help us out in iTunes, throw a rating and review in there. And uh, people always ask how they can support the pod. I always tell them, just tell a friend. Tell somebody that some of these interviews and whatnot are out there. And uh, usually people really enjoy going back into the archives. So if you guys could help us out with that, we'll continue to pound out the content. On that note, no further delay, here is Maddie Kelly. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast live from the Kill House. Uh, fellow Jacksonville native, Maddie Kelly. You may know him as the caddy for Mark Leishman. We're recording this right in advance of the Masters. When are you, uh, when are you heading up to Augusta? Uh, I'm heading up Sunday afternoon, right around lunchtime. Um, we normally play nine, but I don't think we are going to do, do that this year on the, on the Sunday before. Um, I'll go register, get all that stuff taken care of, get jumpsuit sorted, um, get keys for our place, and yeah, I'll be there at five o'clock. Sunday night. How do you so. get an accent like that as a Jacksonville native? <laughs> you moved here? Native? You said native. I'm a <laughs> resident, I should have said. <laughs> uh, I didn't even pick up on that. Um, oh, but yeah, I've lived in Jacksonville for seven or eight years, so you get it pretty quick. You married a native. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, basically native. Yeah. Uh, I told you I hate intros. But <laughs> uh, on that note, let's get a bit of background for you, from you. Where are you from and uh, how did you... How did you your and Mark's relationship start and how did you end up on his bag? Yep, so Mark and I grew up together. Um tiny small town in uh, Victoria, Australia. Uh, it's called Warnable. Um, when we were growing up, there's a population of about 30,000. Um, so not a lot of junior golfers going on. Uh, Mark's a couple of years older than me, but we would basically be, amongst others, the uh, the only juniors playing. Probably five or six more, but consistently, um, after school every night, we'd just go and play. We'd meet, school finished at 3.30, we'd be there at 4. He lived on one side of the course, I lived on the other. Um, and then just played a lot of junior golf. He obviously took off. Um, what year is this? Around what year is this? 2000. I was 14. So, yeah, teenage. He was 16, 17. And starting to play, like, state golf and represent Australia. And then he played amateur stuff in the States. Um, I, was, I was decent at my home track, but my game didn't travel very well. So I knew my limitations pretty early. Fields didn't travel. Yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, so yeah, and then he took off and turned pro, went to all the Q schools. Um, the one he got through was Korea, of all places. So he went there for a year. I wasn't working for him at this stage. Um, I started an assistant, I think you guys call it an assistant pro, like working the shop, basically to become a club pro. Club pro guy. Yeah. <laughs> Korean and, club uh, And then he made enough money that he could come over here on Monday in the States and then... The year he got enough, made enough money, got uh, conditional status, and then he asked me to come over in 2008. So this is where it gets good. Like, this, <laughs> is, this is my favorite story. 
so I don't think you think your story is that no, interesting. No, I don't think it's that interesting. I think it's try. really interesting. Um, yeah, so Athens, Georgia was my first event, which is a pretty nice way to be introduced to America. What? Yeah, had you been to the States before? Never, never been. My only trip outside of Australia was to China to work for Mark at the HSBC um, in 07. The HSBC. Oh, sorry, <laughs> God, the HSBC. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, and then first I arrive in Atlanta. He picks me up. We drive to Athens. Um, what was your first impression of the States upon landing? <sighs> Well, Atlanta Airport was ridiculous. I've never been. I'm so I don't know how he found me. Like I was just mind blown that I just walked, got off the plane, and I walked there, and there he was. He picked me up. I'm, thank God, because I didn't know how I was going to do that by myself. Um, we actually went straight to the hotel, dropped my stuff off, and I, we went out and had a few drinks. So you were probably like, "Man, Athens, Georgia, is pretty cool. There's yeah. a lot of talent here." Yeah, I'd only just <laughs> turned 21 too, which I didn't really think about when I was planning on coming over. Um, but yeah, Athens, Georgia was a nice, nice start of the States for sure. Um, yeah, so fast track a couple months in and then Mark was paying me really what he was paying, what he would have been paying a, a professional caddy. Um, so I didn't want him to pay me anymore, but I'd, I'd maxed out two credit cards and I'd, I said to him, I said, look, dude, this has been a great way to travel the States and see a lot of the country, but I'm going to have to go home. After how many uh, months or events was that? It was like three or four weeks, I think. Uh, uh, three or four months, sorry. Um, it was right, I'd have to look it up. It was right before Salt Lake City. Um, it was a week before that. And then uh, I'd said that to him. And he came out in Salt Lake City and had a chance to win, finished second. And then we had another week off and he won by 11 the next week so after So he convinced that. you, he's just like, hey. Well, then he was like, and then I'm like, well, oh, actually, for... can I just change my mind now? I'm going to stay. <laughs> um, and then. Wait, so, all right. So he second Salt Lake City. And yep, then. And then won uh, Midland, Texas. Uh, Bogey the last two to win by 11. Uh, <laughs> it was uh, it was a weird a weird day. We started I think we started five in front and the uh, the scoreboards were down, so we we played the first nine. Not really, not we knew we were doing decent. We were under par, and we made the turn. I think we're nine in front, so it was like uh, yeah okay. And we tried to steer it home from there, and he got to thirteen in front, and uh, and it was like all right, let's just get in the house. Hit like this seven iron. Off no, we, we tried to play normal, but. Made a couple of bogeys coming in. Um, so, yeah, and then I kind of thought we got to tour championship and I was like, I thought we'd had our card wrapped up. I was almost in like celebration mode and I think we ended like either 16 or 19 on the money list. It had to be obviously top 25 and he went on to finish like 11th, which really wrapped it up. But I thought, I, looking back, I don't think we were a lock um, mm-hmm. heading into that, which I thought, kind of thought we were. So Where was the tour championship? So that TBC Craig Ranch in Dallas. Okay. Yeah. And they, uh, and we flew back to Australia. I think the next day, because we landed on Wednesday, straight to the Aussie Open, um, Pro Am on Wednesday. So it was cool. Actually, they paired Aaron Price, James Nitties, and Leash together. All got their card in the same year, same group. And we all played together Aussie Open. There wasn't a lot of care factor about the Aussie Open and that group going on. So, but it what, was fun. What was the biggest caddy mistake that you made, kind of in those first couple of weeks? <sighs> Thankfully, none, none jump out. I'm sure there's a few. Um, was it a steep learning curve? It can be, yeah. I mean, a lot of, a lot of guys don't last, that's for sure. Um, I wouldn't have lasted unless he played really well at the right time either. So um, It's a little bit looser out on the web tour. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and I, we had a good bunch of... We had like eight of us between like three or four players, Aaron Price, Steve Dartnell, Leash, Nitties, and then a couple of caddies as well. We had all kind of travelled together. So we kind of helped each other out where we could... Um, I asked the other guys what was going on and trying to learn as much as I could in practice rounds and stuff like that. And I mean, I'd caddied for Mark in the, when he was an amateur playing the Aussie Open and Aussie PGA and all those sort of events. But um, this is like a full, like this is my job now. So try to get it as good as I could at it. So after that first season, did you, did you kind of like, got back to Australia after the Aussie Open and... Yeah, we started and, up at, we didn't play any full series. Um Back then, it was kind of just like a money grab. It doesn't really affect the FedEx or anything like it does now. So it was, we went back to Australia and spent it with family and friends and had Christmas back there. And we teed it up at the Sony. And he, I think he finished 12th or 13th or something, his first event. And at that point, were you dead set on, all right, this, yeah, this is, this is, this is my career? Yeah. Is... Well, up until about... He finished second at the BMW to Tiger in the playoffs in his rookie year. and Rookie of the year. Yeah, rookie of the year. Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, and that was like a big check the first time i'd had like money before <laughs> i was like yeah this is what i want to do not only the money but it was like the heat 
obviously Tiger there. Um, it was all you know pre. Where was the BMW that year? Uh, Cog Hill. I was okay. I was there. Yeah. <laughs> no big deal in high school. Yeah, <laughs> this one's. Boom, I hate boom. to throw Sneds under the bus, but he four putted. I think the last hole. To oh, that's boat. right. Yeah. That was that year. Yeah, so we're playing with him. Mark had like a four footer, and we knew we had to finish tied third. Wouldn't have been good enough for us. We had to finish outright second or outright third. Um, so if he misses that part, he goes to tied third, and he he wouldn't have got through. That was so. the year Tiger shot like sixty two on Saturday or something, right? Yeah, he was. He won by eight. Yeah. So we didn't kind of that that one year that they yeah <laughs> he uh on the sunday playing with him leash didn't have a bogey i think he shot one under the front and tiger was like he was just doing what he needed to do getting it around and felt like we were getting close to him but looking back we, we never got within i don't think five or six so but at, at the time it felt like we were kind of making a dent and then tournament was over and he'd won by eight so that rookie year we played well at sony yeah, played well at Sony. A bit yeah. of a um, lull. That, well, he didn't get in much. He, I remember going, we went to Palm Springs, but we didn't get in. Um, he was second or third alternate starting the week. We did all the practice rounds and stuff and just never, never, our number never got called. So um, he played what he got in and not until he went to Dallas. Um, I think he finished eighth at the Byron Nelson and fifth at, what was it, used to be San Antonio, Lock and Terra, maybe the golf course was called. Um, I don't know what order that was, but that was, and then... That was kind of enough points and stuff that we knew we were going to play playoffs. Get and the reshuffle. Yeah, got, got going from there. Did you know like a, the whole time, essentially, that Mark was an ex, this exception? Like, he's obviously turned into this next-level player, right. but at the time, was there doubt? Or were, were you kind of hitch, you hit your wagon to him? Yeah. But did, you, did you know he was going to be this good? Growing up, I thought I did, and, but, I, but I had no idea about how good good really was. So I just growing up in a small country town, I'm like, oh, this guy's a well-beater. Like, he's going to smoke everyone. Um and then you, you get out, even the web.com tour, it's so deep. Yeah. So you just definitely, there was definitely some doubt, but you know, I knew how good he could be or is. Was there is. anybody in those first few years that you went out and that you guys played with and you saw like, whoa, that's different than anything I've seen before? Uh, Scott Piercy impressed me the first time we played with him. He yeah. played at, I'm not sure of the course, but I think he shot 61 or two or three, something like that, both days on the weekend to win an event and that was just like hey, that blew me away I thought alright that's next level and then um, the first year I mean even the rookie year playing with Tiger I guess because he was so in front he didn't have to do much it wasn't really whatever um, but no, it wasn't really it wasn't until we started playing a lot more majors and stuff and just the next level of professionalism and doing everything they possibly can to, to be great that's when you realise like, so that like, that first year did you have were you just totally living out of a suitcase, or did you have a home base anywhere? Yeah, um, I rented a place here, actually, in Jacksonville, um, off another caddy, Jeff Weber. He caddies, I think he, was, he used to caddy for Davis for a little bit. Um, Shannon Wallace and I, another Aussie caddy, rented a place here. And uh, that was, we did that for a year and a half or so. And then after that, I just, yeah, I was staying with friends who had met, or I'd stay with Mark at his place a little bit, um, until... So I met my wife here in Jacksonville and I'd always liked it, but once I met someone who'd lived here and she knew all the spots to go to and the restaurants and that's when I really fell in love with the place. And yeah, it's definitely it's definitely home now for sure. How long did it take for you to feel like at home caddying? Like that you that this is knew you didn't feel like a new right. a, a newcomer. Um probably after that BMW with Tiger. I hate to keep bringing it up, but it was like that's when I knew what I wanted to do. I th- you know, you feel like you did a pretty good job that week or whatever, and for that year, going to the Tour Championship, um, that was a, probably about it. I mean, what's the what's the like adrenaline like for you as a caddy in that moment? Obviously, we know the players got to be hitting the shots and whatnot, but you're inside the ropes, you're hearing the same right. cheers and all that. Yeah, and it's it's got to be pretty thrilling. Um, definitely, when it first happens, it's a you've got to calm yourself down. Um, my whole thing is I try not to get too high and I try not to get too low. Um, but early on, yeah, I mean. I remember when after on that Sunday after the round, Mark and I are in the car park like high fiving each other. Like <laughs> we couldn't really believe what just happened, but because um, we originally weren't even supposed to play with Tiger that day, there was a fog delay, and they had twosomes set out the night before, and then they fog delay, so they did you uh, draw in threesomes, so we ended up playing with Tiger and Sneds. Um, so that was just like a crazy day, but yeah. Were you on overtime duty, like taking phones from people or yelling nah, at people that day? No. Nah. Yeah. We had, I mean, Tiger had so much security, it wasn't even yeah. funny. And the funny thing is, like, I always find that 
because everyone's like, oh, you know, what's it like playing with Tiger? Well, there's only a wall of people. You can't say how far deep that wall is. You might be eight deep, might be 20 deep. It doesn't really matter because you only see that front row, really. Um, so it didn't, the crowd stuff doesn't, I wouldn't say it doesn't worry me, but it, it doesn't intimidate me at all. I don't think it intimidates Mark either that much. I've heard, I've heard people notice it that when, when obviously knowing the crowd that he pulls, the Tiger will, if he's got a short putt, instead of tapping it in, like yeah, don't mark it. He'll mark it. Do you, do, did you notice anything That's like that? That's a class act. Yeah, he definitely, it, he does it. Um, Cause the when crowd we moves felt on, like we were getting closer to him, it was a little different Tiger. Um, <laughs> but yeah, overall, I mean, we played with him a couple, not a bunch of times, but a few times now and, yeah, that's that sort of stuff goes unnoticed by a lot of people because it, it is a class move because he know, he understands that everyone's just gonna sprint to the next either that next hole or the hole in front of that. So yeah, it's it's a pretty classy classy move for sure. What uh what's Mark like inside the ropes compared to kind of growing up with him as a kid and you know has he changed a lot and what's what's that whole scenario? He hasn't like? changed much at all. It's it's crazy. He I I keep saying this to anyone who asks about him. It's just he's just a good really good dude with no ego that just happens to be really good at golf. He's just like one of us who just went on to be top, or he still is top 15 in the world. Um, yeah, he ha- he's really relaxed off the course. He gets, you know, obviously there's moments where it's he's way more intense, but even his intense, I wouldn't say, is close to anyone that, I don't know. He's not. He doesn't get those tiger eyes going or anything like that. But um, no, he's very chill. He never... He never yells at me. He's never really blamed me. He, he's always so quick to blame himself rather than anyone else for any of his stuff going on. So, just a super, what do you think super, over the uh, years has? What has he improved the most at, and what have you improved the most at? Uh, for him, well, the noticeable difference, especially I mean, last year was our crazy good season. His driving went. I don't know the exact stats, but he wouldn't have been in the top hundred before, and a lot of that was that Callaway driver. Uh, the Epic was just a huge change in his whole. He was the first year he switched to it. He had to adjust so many lines off tees because he's a, used to be a pretty severe cutter of the ball. Now it's a gentle fade. But um, so the first year he was just going into courses and, and it was like he was playing them for the first time because he's setting up a lot more down the middle of fairway and felt like he was going to hit everything in the right trees. But we go back to those courses the next year, which was seventeen. And uh, yeah, I mean he, imp- I, I don't know exact numbers as I say, but I'm sure he was in the top thirty or forty in driving. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just sets up, takes so much pressure off the rest of your game. I don't even um, think we'll have to do an ad read. It's exactly, <laughs> um, exactly what I was getting ready to say. Um, I know you listen to this podcast, but you don't have to read ads. No, for us. but it's just it was it was crazy. I mean, and this new one, I think new one's good as well. I just that epic was just a game changer for him, absolutely. Um, and obviously, and then he and he had a top ten putting year as well. So, but you know, you, you're not gonna. To win tournaments, you're going to have to have mm-hmm. a lot of good putting weeks. So um, I think those go, kind of go hand in hand. Um, and then as far as you're concerned, what? Mine would probably just been better in the in the bigger moment. Um, as I say, I try not to get too high or too low, but just staying. Always, I always, my problem is I think that certain things affect what's going to happen in the weekend. So if we bogey a certain hole on Thursday, I'm always worried about that hole for the rest of the week. Um, and I think you do see instances like so in the practice round at Bay Hill last year, market a three would over out of bounds left. We didn't come within ten yards of hitting that fairway all week. He's just in the right rough or right tree. <laughs> He's so worried about, it. and I get it. Um, so that's what I kind of I think about that sort of stuff and how it's going to react later in the week. I've tried to get less anal about that and try and just calm down a little bit. It's probably reps too. Yeah, like when you're in the big yeah, moment. when you're in the big moment more, it becomes more comfortable and. You know, you trying to do the best job you can hopefully it's good enough but um just learning what mark likes to hear under the pump and what he things not to say stuff like that all right guys we've talked a lot about a lot of callaway's equipment but we've not talked enough about the mac daddy four wedges these wedges are setting a new standard in wedge performance they've got a new proprietary groove and groove technology for shot stopping spin around the greens and a fantastic shape. I, I, I just put these in the bag about a month ago. My divots are much shallower. I'm getting through the turf much better, and I, I think I finally got fit for the right grinds, which is key. 
They are absolutely money, and also through Callaway Customs, you can personalize your MD4s just like the Tour Pros. You have seven different areas on your wedge you can customize, paint fill, weight medallion colors. You can put some custom stamping in there or some symbols for good measure. I know I've got a Tour Sauce one. Tron's got an LPCP one. We know that. He lacks pop. Uh, you can start designing your Mac Daddy 4 wedges now with Callaway Customs at callawaygolf.com customs. Let's get back to Matty Kelly. Moving into into 2010, and I want to talk about that first Masters. We're going to get to that later. Mm-hmm. But you guys were runner-up at – I had it here. Now I lost it. Were you guys a runner-up? Um, Farmers? Oh, Farmers Insurance yeah, yeah. in San Diego, yep. yeah. Yep. Um, what do you remember about that day or that week? I remember that I left straight after the round and had the clubs in the car, driving to wherever the next event was, and then he called me. <laughs> He's like, hey, Ben Crane just made a bogey. Uh, we're like one back now. You might want to bring the clubs back just in case. Because <laughs> I – yeah, we just we thought, oh yeah, good week, that's great. Um, guys, make a couple, of, and it's and it's such a tough golf course. I don't know what we were thinking, but um, or what I was thinking. He was still there, but um, yeah, it was it was a fun week. He loves that golf course. He last four or five times we've played there, he's been. I mean, even this year, he was disappointed with the way he played, and he finished eighth. Um, he feels like he should win that event every year. Um, why? He said why two, there? What's the he just loves it. He played the um, junior world there. Um, the grass is pretty similar to what we grew up at home. Kikuya. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, it's, it's a couple of tee shots that suit that little fade, like six and one, um, seven. There's a quite a few. Um, so how, yeah, he just, how far did you get down the road? Because you guys finished one it, shot back. Yeah, we didn't get far. I got to like the bottom of uh, Torrey Pines Hill. Okay. Yeah, I was with another caddy, Shay Knight, another Aussie caddy, and he's like, I'm like, hey, do you mind dropping me back off the clubhouse? <laughs> so, yeah, luckily, I mean, I was back before they even finished, so it was fine. But, um, yeah, I think he, did Crane birdie the last as well? I'm not sure. I just pulled yeah. up the, so I was 13 under and you guys were 12. Yeah. I think Michael Sim was up there that year too, and he ended up paring 18 for us to tie second. So, yeah, I didn't get far, thankfully. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> What's your favorite event on tour? Non-major. Non-major? Uh hard players probably a bit biased on that one but um Hilton Head it's just and that's a probably also because it's directly after Augusta and coming off the, probably the most stressful week to the most relaxed um the players is a, such a big special event I think it's the golf course I've never experienced when it's in March so I would be interested that might change in the next couple of years but in May it's been I've only been here when it's been played in May and it's pretty hard to top i think some other ones that you look forward to san diego i look forward to the ones mark plays well at <laughs> travelers <laughs> yeah travelers that, and that is most of them are all really good golf courses um the travelers we get this feeling like every time we play there oh, we're on the 15th like how did this happen that's it's a fun fast playing golf course and we love that so um Torrey pines is a little different than that it's a long walk and it's a big golf course but he plays well there and you always feel like you're gonna be in contention when you go to those places so what do you remember the most about the final round 62 at the Travelers to win his first Um tournament? I remember a couple of shots he hit. Um, the par 5 12th, um, hit it just over the green in two, and the greens were super quick that year. Um, he hit this chip five one along the ground that if it had, if it was going five feet past the hole, it was in the water. And instead of like hitting some of the green, spinning it and leaving it, whatever, 10 feet short, hopefully, he hit this runner along the ground. I just thought it took a lot of, balls to hit that shot and he pulled it off hit it to a foot and it was a tap in um 62 came after we bogeyed uh doubled 17 and bogeyed 18 that saturday and the day before um kind of thought our tournament like i was saying before when you you think about stuff that's going to affect you down the road that kind of thought our tournament was done then um but turned out it was i think charlie either, i think he did the same thing sunday and we won by one charlie hoffman so um yeah, it's about it's a pretty nice feeling sitting in the uh, caddy area for two hours, not even have to play any more golf. That was <laughs> that was what I liked. It's kind of gifted us one almost. Are we ready to talk Masters, or do you want to keep going? <laughs> hey, a couple more. Okay, yeah. I mean we can come back. But yeah. oh, okay. no, no, go ahead. What's the toughest walk on tour for a caddy? Um, Kapalua. Probably Kapalua, just because you're, well, especially me, I don't do much over the Christmas period except for <laughs> eat, and, eat and drink. So. Carrying more, I'm always carrying more than I should, but that week especially. Uh, Augusta's really hard. Um, I just checked the forecast for the next week. It's supposed to rain, so that'll be pretty brutal. Um, 
What other one did we do recently? Oh, the match play at Austin's a really tough walk. Super hilly and, you know, kind of hot, 80-ish. Um, Just dusty. Dusty, yeah, yeah, like a weird heat, like dry, yeah. windy heat. So it kind of takes it out of you. But Plus you're eating tacos. All yeah, week. and you're eating not very good food and <laughs> stay right on Rainy Street so there's a few extra beers that, that week. And no, So, yeah, Kapalua definitely and then probably Augusta, Austin. All right, so on the Augusta note. Yes. After the win in 2012. So you, so you guys... You got you made the tour championship in '09, so you played in 2010. Yep. What do you remember about the first time you saw Augusta? Um, just I mean, crazy how we got we went there after Doral, I think it was, and it's just all this open space. And then, then when you get there and the crowds are there, it seems so narrow. That was my first. I'm like, holy shit, this is way different to what I remember this being from two weeks, three weeks ago. Um, and then yeah, the the difference in the course. It's so, so different on the practice rounds compared to the tournament. And then the adrenaline of the ball going way further. So you're hitting clubs that you're not really hitting. I mean, apart from the tee shots into greens, um, that you're not really hitting in the tournament anyway. So just the amount of change visually and the way you play the course, that would be my, yeah, mate. And we stayed in a house and, and you first Augusta, you don't know if you're ever going to play one again or not. And we had, Mark was very, very generous. He gave me, my parents come over and my brother come over. Um, so he gave me three tickets for the week. And we all stayed in one house with his parents and we had a couple of friends. It was like, there was a lot going on. Um, if we, if, I think if Mark had his time over, he'd probably get two houses. He'd stay in one and get one for the families or whatever and do it that way. But That's the, it was ti- f- that's the tiger strategy. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just you're trying to organize everyone and getting rides to the course and dropping people off at parking. It's like, you know, you, you, yeah, it's hard. And then you got... Augusta National to worry about as yeah, well. So especially for your first Masters. Yeah. Did you guys seek out advice from any other caddies during that week or any other players about um, how to play the course, or did you walk it with any caddies? I or? walked it with uh, a couple of caddies. I'm trying to think. Well, we had a, we went up there with uh, Ogle, Jeff Ogilvy and Michael Sim um, that year. He took us up there after Doral. Um, trying to think, we oh, I think we just had local caddies that, and then the caddies, Michael's caddy and my, uh, myself. We just walked inside the inside the course and just they caddied basically, and we just watched what they basically had a practice around without carrying the bag. Um, you know, you hear, you know, you see all the raised creek dots around the place and where everything breaks to and that sort of stuff, but you don't really know that until you till you go through it. It's like you have to make the mistake before you learn from it, kind of deal. But do you use the same yardage book every year? I convert all my notes to the to the one. Yeah, okay. I was actually going to bring it, but I thought that's kind of. A bit weird, but <laughs> definitely should. Have. This, is so, a, uh, this is a weird place. Yeah. <laughs> um, I had three sitting out there at home, and I just went look through them, and they're all exactly the same. Uh-huh. Just got different, obviously yardages from what um, what we had in there, but all the notes are the same. Yeah. Having been multiple years now, do you totally see why first time winners, first time players, almost never win, and yep. people tend to struggle their first few masters? Yep. Yep. I mean, it's just such a not. A, I mean, it's daunting. You know, that that first tee shot. The, the gallery is so close, especially for any sort of shaper of the ball, left or right. Um, so, that, yeah, it's a daunt factor. And then just not knowing the place. Um, I mean, we, we'll go there next week and we'll still learn stuff. And we've we got years of learning yet. Um, but the way the guys play these days, I wouldn't... I don't know. It's like... I heard you guys talking last night on the... Um, when you're doing the Masters replay, like... There's, we're due for like a, a lull, like a dull one. I think someone could blow this. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if Justin blew the field away, um, just because he's the way he plays. In there's which, no intimidation factor anymore. Which Justin? Justin Thomas. Okay. Yeah, I do think Justin Rose will be right there if it's a close one, but uh, like he could shoot whatever he wants around that place. He's long enough. Um, he hits it high enough. He's going to be hitting a lot of wedges in the greens, um, and he's not scared of anything. No. So I'm. A, I don't know if that would be a lull. Obviously, be a huge hype and huge. Yeah, he'd be a popular winner. But um, yeah, I could see him winning by a few. Well, after missing the cut in 2010, the next time you guys played in the Masters was 2013. Yep. And you were tied for the lead right. going into the final round. Yeah. What changed in that period uh, of time from a confidence perspective? Yeah, I'm not sure really. Uh, we got off to a good start. I think he shot five or six hundred in the first round. Um, yeah, and then, I mean, it just takes the pressure off lead, uh, worrying about the cut and stuff like that too. You should do that. Uh, yeah, do, let's do yeah. that every time we play yeah, there. Keep doing that. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know. He, he, I guess, 
he definitely hit it higher back back uh, from thirteen to ten. But um, that was that's obviously a big jump. Uh, I don't know what changed, but just yeah, the good start, not having to worry about the cut, and then you're in the meat of the tournament, and that's where he thrives anyway. So um, he's he's so good in the big moment that doesn't surprise me that he hung around. So I said he's leading after the into the fun run, leading after the opening round. Right. But so you talk about how he plays like a, a fade. Yep. Why how why was he able to be successful at Augusta? So I'm not yeah I'm not entirely convinced about this whole draw theory. Um, it, obviously it does help. Um, and you and it's you can see why the lefties do so well with when they play there because they they can fade it into all these holes and with these tough tee shots. But I think if you hit it high, um, you're at no disadvantage whatsoever. Um, the holes you're drawing it on these days with the ball and clubs and equipment going as far as they do, um, a three you're going to be fine with three wood anyway. Um, so like two, two five. is a per- I mean two if you hit a fade you can't get into that. With driver, you're hitting it straight in that bunker anyway, so you want to take that out of play. Um, it's about the only place, apart from obviously the hazard or whatever, way left, but you can't get it on the green from from there anyway. So um, I try and convince Mark to hit three, but if it's downwind, you hit it over that bunker. So if you hit it high enough, you're carrying those trees and carry them out, and, and driver's fine. Um, but we try and hit three wood off there. Five, you're hitting it straight now anyway. Um, seven, I guess, kind of helps to hold the fairway a little bit. Same with 14, you might want to hit a draw down there, but three woods are fine. Um, ten. You can even hit an iron down there when it's firm. What do you guys do on three? Three, depending on the where the pin is and the if it's soft or or hard that year. Like if the surrounds are firm, we might we might lay back. But um, the more we play, the more we hit driver and just get it up there and try and deal with it. The green's so severe. If there's any sort of spin, then you've got to worry about where do I land it, where's it going to end up, all that sort of stuff. Um, almost feels easier just to worry about it when you're chipping than anything else. And you feel like you can get it in a better miss when you're chipping. Like, if you misjudge your wedge from 140 yards, well, it could end up at the bottom of that hill or it could end up 10 yards over the green. Um, at least if you're chipping, you're going to be pretty close to where you want your miss to be. So we try and... What hole is, like, the biggest exercise for you as a caddy, like the one that makes you think the most? So, I have a, I, as I said, I just checked my notes before. The par fives are just genius there. Um, there's... They're long enough that you're hitting a... Well, I guess Sergio hit 8-iron in last year, but we are always right between like 4 and 5-iron on 15 and kind of the same on 13 if we hit the fairway. Um, but they're so tempting that you have to go for it. But if... Obviously, this numbers... Zach Johnson won laying up every year, and I get it. He's not we'll as long. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll that. Oh, of course, yeah. I forgot about... Yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs> but it's just... As a caddy, you're like... It's so less... There's so much stress on that golf course anyway... If you can just lay it up to have 80 yards to those par fives, you're probably going to make three or four birdies and hopefully no bogeys. That won't hurt you around there. Um, so, yeah. So, make some great risk-reward holes. Yeah, it does. Like, I think they're genius. Um, the other one's four. Four is just such a hard hole from that back because the it kind of the left pins, you've got to be left. The right pins, the front bunker is pretty good. But, I mean, if you try and hit in that front bunker and then you're short of that, good luck. Um and they, so you don't want to hit it obviously the, over the green you can't keep it on that top tier so that's a bit of a nightmare that hole for us as well are there any holes that you know you mentioned hitting the ball OB at Bay Hill and now you're not going to hit the rest of the fairway the rest of the week there uh, are there any holes out there where he's not had success that you that you think maybe he draws back on um, when he plays trying to think of anything that stands out hopefully he doesn't listen to this right before <laughs> the Masters, uh, hopefully he's prepping for a guy <laughs> <laughs> um no, I don't think so. We've only ever missed it right on the first once. Um, maybe twice. Twice, actually, now that I think about it. Because he did, he did hit it really. He did like three feet out of there one day. We had a perfect gap and ended up being fine. But right on the first is way worse than people give it. You think you can just either chase something up the green, but you can never do it. Um, whereas left, you can always hook something around there or even get a clear shot through those trees. Um, yeah, no, there's, nothing that's, there's no tee shots that... He really. I don't get on any tee, and I'm like, oh, I'm really nervous about this one for him there. In 2013, you guys were paired with Adam Scott in the final round, and having at that time, obviously, an Australian had never won the Masters. Yep. Was there? And after he makes that putt on 18, like you and, and Adam even embraced <laughs> yeah. and said something like, "Yeah." So was there really strong Australian vibes between yeah. the two of them on that day? I, I think between the two of them, they were just sick and tired of listening to the when's an Australian going to win the Masters. Um, 
and not like, I mean, they're obviously friends as well. So when Adam hold that fight part, you hear Leash or you see Leash in the background doing the fist pump. Part of it is for his friend, and part of it is so he doesn't have to answer that question again. <laughs> <laughs> I can almost guarantee it. But yeah, uh, I think Adam admits that he even just kind of lost, had like an out of body experience, and he screamed. I think he said, "Come on, Aussie!" I mean, yeah, it was, yeah, it was a cool day. Um, kind of different for us because Mark holds this part on my biggest memory of that day is at the eleventh green. So Mark holds like a forty footer, and because since the crowd can't get any closer than the twelfth tee. I hear the ball rattling around in the hole before the crowd reacts. And that was like, I think it was either go tied or one back. And that was, a, I just said to myself, that's a pretty cool moment I'll never forget. Um, I'm not big into memorabilia or anything like that, but that that's something I'll never, ever forget. Um, but yeah, and then making the putt on 18 was pretty cool to be there. It was, at that stage, it was probably the loudest roar I'd ever heard from such a small, I mean, it's not like the crowds are that big there, but. They they were certainly loud, so it was well, cool. Take us back through. So you said you made that putt on eleven from from eleven through eighteen. Yeah. Did you feel like there was a play, a moment where it, he let it slip away? Or yeah. I, I don't recall what happened. So. Yeah. So we hit. We had the honor. Obviously, there's not many people at birdie eleven any day of the week there. Um, so we take off um, twelve. I remember we hit wedge. I can't remember the yardage, but it, I remember at the time thinking this is a really big wedge. And obviously he's pumped up. So. Mark, Mark's ability to hit his shorter irons, long distances is crazy. Um, I would go as far to say he's up there on the longest on tour with um, some of the numbers he can stretch his clubs out to. So we hit wedge and had it hit it like 15 feet, 20 feet maybe. Um, didn't make it. We had six on in the 13, made five. Um, we had, I thought we had a short putt on 14. I don't, I'd have to go back to that. I thought we had another chance on 14, but... Pretty sure we made we made four there, and, and then at that stage, I think we're two back now. I think of Jason Day, and in the middle of fairway on 15, and kind of between three and four iron, he was pumped up. It just started to drizzle a little bit, and he just got it a little heavy and landed on the bank and rolled back in the hazard. We made six. After that, we were we were kind of done. But then also we had a lot to play. Like top four in a major at that stage got you in every major. The rest I don't know if it still does, but so we had a lot to play for. Um, Especially you want to you want to finish as best you can at a major anytime you play in a major. So, um, yeah, fifteen was about and that that it was excitement, kind of disappointing then and then cool to see Adam do what he did on eighteen. So it was a weird but fun day at the same time. What did you say to Adam after he made the putt? Do you remember? I can't remember. I was, I, <laughs> You're excited. I was pumped. Yeah, <laughs> I was actually shocked that he ran. Like it all happened pretty quick. I just finished raking the bunker, and then. I saw obviously I saw the puck go in and then I kind of walked to the back of the green and I look over and then he's right there so um, it was just a big high five and I can't I can't remember what he said. So. Do you when you go back to Augusta now like what when you go back next week what's the first couple of things you'll do? So I'm trying to decide if I leave early enough to walk the course Sunday. It's supposed to be a nice day so I might do that. Um, I typically go straight to the worst part or where the worst position we've ever been and just. Is this any better? Is it any worse? Is it still as bad as I remember? Yes, it probably is. Um, and then realize where we want to be to those pins. And I don't know if anyone's hitting balls into the, if anyone's out there playing, you'll watch them react to that sort of stuff. Um, as far as changes this year, anything? I haven't heard anything. Um, there will most likely be some sort of, they'd like to, you know, they'd like to tinker. Um, I listened to the Bones podcast and he was talking about left of 13 there that one year. And uh, yeah, that uh, that sort of stuff is it's talked about in the caddy area. We we all know what's going to happen, but um, it's funny how they don't mention it at all and stuff like that. But yeah, we'll go check all that sort of stuff, and then we get into it Monday, and it'll be we usually just play nine holes every day because um, obviously it's a tough walk, so you don't want to be burnt out, and you want energy for this following Sunday. Not not get the out early. Uh, sometimes I think it's a really underrated thing to play a late practice round at majors, um, especially somewhere like the British where you might tee off at three fifteen. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, a lot of the time you go to the course at four o'clock and it'll be dead. Um, just no one out there. So I, I we've a couple of times we'll go and play at four, because uh, that's where we're planning on playing in the tournament. So we try and practice what we what we want to be doing. So, um, and Augusta's not a bad place for it too. You get those nice evenings where it's like sixty five, seventy degrees. It's like golf heaven. So why wouldn't you want to be out there? Yeah, we, we 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 try and avoid the rush. Like if we get a feeling, like Wednesday we'll probably play the front nine late, um, and then he can go do the pro uh, the par three. Um, we do the same thing at the players. Everyone obviously the the caddy shot is on Wednesday, so a lot of guys play the back and the caddy can hit the shot and then they're done after nine. So we'll go play the front. 
where there's no one around. Do you ever hit the shot? I don't hit the shot. <laughs> <laughs> I have a history of hitting the 16th fairway more than the 17th green. So <laughs> I don't hit it. I don't need to embarrass myself anymore. <laughs> I had a, a, a take last night that was not very well received or a theory in that the Augusta's greens are not that hard to putt. They're not that difficult to putt if mm-hmm. you're in putting in the right spots. There's more importance yep. putting hitting the ball into the right spot than it yep. is. I mean, some spots are so difficult that yep. it doesn't matter how good you are to putt from, right. you're not going to make the putt. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Is that somewhat of it? I think it's just I, people are always like, oh, you have to putt great to win at Augusta. No, I don't, I don't think, think you do. Case. No, you look at the guys who have won, I don't think <laughs> they putt that well. Um, definitely, if you're in the right spot, they. I don't want to say one of the easiest because they're just so slopey and fast, but you can make putts around there for sure. Um, obviously, it's hard to get in those positions. I remember when we went there with Jeff Ogilvy on the 14th, Mark was on the top left tier and he had like, it was either a really short putt or he dropped a ball. He said, if this stays on the green, I'll give you $100. So Mark was like, Mark putted it up the hill and it rolled and rolled all the way off the green and stuff like that. So obviously if you're out of position, it's impossible. But if, if, if part of your theory or your take is that you're in the right position, then absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think they're, yeah. And do you, have you learned, have you been there enough times to learn how certain putts break more so than like see it with your eyes? Yeah, I've got, my Augusta book would have the most, I don't, I don't usually write many reads in my book or what putts did, but that would, that one has the most. You just, when they're at that fast, it's hard to see the ball doing as much as what it's doing. So I write, I write down a lot in my uh, master's book for sure. What's the worst spot on the course? Like in in front of five, in front of that mound. That's not. Right they there, put a pin down there not too long ago. Um, I mean, it's not great down there. I don't think it's. It's not impossible. We we were there last year and two putted. Um, in front of fourteen is not great. Switch to that. I think it's the Saturday or Sunday pin where it's just on top. It's like one extra on top. Because um, you've got to get it up there. You can't. You could be there all day if you don't. Um, right on ten pretty if you're right if you just carry the bunker and you've got that chip it's pretty gnarly um we we were here all day <laughs> pretty much every hole well, it's a certain spot. yeah yeah What's, left on two is not very good but not impossible it's the delta counter yeah book your ticket home. yeah exactly <laughs> what yeah. is uh what's your, that the back right pin on 12 on sunday what's mm-hmm. your guys strategy for that pin do you guys play middle of the green yeah um we usually hit a club that can't get to the back bunker um Mark would try and hit something a fade that can't reach that far. If it just covers the bunker, that's perfect. We that front bunker's got a lot more severe the last few years. It's a real severe downslope into the bunker, so away from the water. Um, so you can get if you hit the lip and it rolls back under that downslope, you're pretty screwed. But we we think that um, the front bunker's a lot better. Than, you can hit in the water from that back bunker easily. So um, we try and hit a club that can't reach that back bunker and just cover the. The front one. What about the tee shot on 13? Are you trying to hug as much on the left side as possible, or you play that? Yeah, safe depending way? on wind. If it's downwind, we'll hit three wood and just hit it. Try and hit a roping, strong hook, basically. Um, and if it's if we're hitting driver, we've got to cover. We've got to take some of the trees on. But going back to those par fives, you're going to have to take it on at some stage anyway on all of them. So you might as well, might as well get it over and done with first. If you can get, get driver and have nine on in, well, your work's done on that hole. So. What do you, if they, I mean, they bought the plot of land, they're going to move the tee back yeah, on 13. Do you yeah. think they should? Do you think it kind of ruins the whole bit? Well, we haven't seen it yet, obviously, yeah, but. We'll see what happens. Uh, I'm not. Maddie doesn't want to get executed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want to be out of caddy next week. <laughs> uh, um, set you up to fail there. <laughs> no, I mean, they'll do a good job with it. They'll make it probably look like it's been there forever, and that's how it always should be, but just depend. It's still going to favor the long hitters if they move it back because. Zach Johnson's going to hit driver 30 behind where Dustin Johnson hits driver. Like, it's just, I struggle with rolling the ball back and all that sort of stuff because it's still going to favor the longer hitter. There's other ways you can do things. Um, but they, they don't want nine irons and eight irons being hit in the par fives. I get it. But it's a pretty perfect yeah. situation they have right now. Uh, it's hard it's to beat. It's fascinating. Maybe it, yeah. it, maybe it trends on the easier side right. for the contenders yeah. on Sunday. But... That's what I kind of love about yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. It's, and then, yeah, for Sunday, it's almost the perfect back nine. You've got your string of tough holes, like 10, 11, and 12 is really a tough one now. So they, they're not giving you a birdie by any means, but all right, take a little break before it you know, gets going again or strap yourself in kind of deal. And on the other side, if you're four back, you still feel like you've got a chance because you can 
make those up in two holes. So, what are you going with under the caddy bibs? No laying up. <laughs> yeah, we your t-shirt. No, I don't know. Probably just a white, plain white tee, Under Armour. You're not like going to go like uh, Ernie's caddy last night. I saw the gold chain. <laughs> yeah, the gold chain. No <laughs> sure. What do we have to do to get you to no laying up tee under that? I don't know. Does anybody don't just think... go just go straight? Yeah, there's a few guys. Um, Stevie, Wing. oh, Commando, all the way. Yeah. I'm not. Sh- I don't know about that. I'm not really looking around the caddy area that much for that sort of stuff. But I would have believed Stevie Williams. I w- wouldn't put it past him. He's definitely a no-shirt guy. I wouldn't be surprised if there was a couple of hot days. That just let it all hang out. <laughs> What's the caddy has- hospitality like there? Awesome there. Yeah, they really take good care of us there. Um, they've got it set up so our parking. We just walk in a separate gate. I think it's gate four, right on the uh, Washington Road there. And we're straight into our area and we just wait for the, all the bag rooms right there. Um, so we just wait, wait for the guys and they get shuttled from the clubhouse all the way right to the range where we are at. So um, they do a good, really good job with it. Um, what are some other of the best tournaments on tour for caddies? Um, Charlotte. We don't play there, but I just we did play there for the first few years and it's still everyone still raves about Charlotte. Just that we get our own chef and stuff that week and they big tan up for us. Um, our parking's usually really good. Uh, Phoenix has gotten really good. It used to be one of the worst, and they've improved a lot. Um, parking's great. Food's good. Um, usually pretty cold a few of those mornings, so we have a bunch of heaters and stuff. Uh, for the most part, the tournaments have gotten really, really good. Um, That's good to hear. Yeah. It's trending it's, the right direction. It's definitely going... I mean, compared to what it was back in the day, even from when I've been around, it's improved a lot. But I'm not... I Guys aren't afraid to complain a lot about the caddy situation, but I don't think they fully understand that that money comes out of the tournaments, basically the purse or, or their donation to charity. And the tournament wants to get as much money raised as they can. So uh, I, I don't... You're not very vocal. No, I don't like complaining about it because I, I think we have it really good. You go and see someone working their nine to five, they don't get their free lunch or breakfast just because they feel like they should. Um, the lunch one really annoys. When guys complain about lunch... It really gets on my nerves because if if you're a grown man and you don't have enough time to go and get your own lunch, <laughs> you better look in the mirror before you start complaining to someone else. So, um, breakfast I get, and the bathroom situation used to be not very, but it's improved a lot. I mean, you get 150 guys in a tournament with four or five bathrooms wasn't great, but that's gotten a lot better. So, hmm. and some tournaments now even let us in the locker room, which I don't really want to be in there that much. But to use the bathroom and stuff like that facilities, that, that's nice. How often do you think back on the 2015 Open Championship in St. Andrews? Nearly every day. Yeah? Yeah. Just because I get mad at myself and not... So we had, I think it was either 60... We're in meters, so 68 or 71 meters into the 18th hole, tied for the lead. We make birdie. we most likely going to win the tournament. And Mark's just, Mark said to me, he goes, all I want is a putt to win. So it's like, all right, we'll just hit you know a little knuckleball through the wind, into the wind, into the rain. Um, our normal lob wedge goes like 105 meters. So we had plenty of club. And I just wanted him to hit like more of a spinner. Wait, 105 Jesus. meters for a lob wedge? Yeah, he. That's 115 yards. Yeah, for well, and when I say lob wedge, it's 58 degrees or 57 and a half like that. So it's almost, okay. you know, it's it's a strong lob wedge yeah. to start with. Um, so, and I wanted to hit more of a spinner in there and try and like stuff it and land it past it and spin it right back and. I just, I'm not mad at him for the shot he played. I'm just mad at myself for not even mentioning it. I just, I got there and I'm like, oh, this is perfect. He's going to land this 10 pass it. It'll spin seven or eight and we'll have six feet to win. Um, but we had a 30 foot or whatever. And having a putt to win the, the British Open at St. Andrews was pretty neat. Um, especially because in Australia, that's the one major that's not on super, super early for us. It's, it's a night. It's almost like primetime major. So we see a lot of that, like... Growing up in Australia, I didn't know what the front nine at Augusta looked like. Um, could have been they could have played off mats out there, and I wouldn't have even known. So, um, Sick. <laughs> yeah, so we only saw the back because that's at even that's at like four in the morning or something like that. So, and yeah. you guys, you guys had the lead on the back nine that we, that the day, British, right? yeah, the yeah, British yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. So I think we made the cut by one, and then he shot <laughs> sixty four. Yeah, it was oh. yeah we shot sixty four on Saturday, and then Sunday was rained out. So we go back Monday. Saturday was wiped out. Oh, Saturday was so okay. Those so he winded shot. out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was when balls were rolling off the greens. Was that when Kepka almost got into a fight with the yes. rules official? <laughs> <laughs> so he, he, in the end, he shot 130 on the weekend. But yeah, we were leading from about, I think he birdied 12 or 13 to take the lead. 
And that's when, you know, it was in off the left, every hole on the back nine. So going out was down off the right, um, which for a fader kind of suited him. He could start at left and knew it wasn't going to go crazy right and then most of the time end up in the fairway. So, Do you guys yeah. root for wind, like wind and firm conditions? Just because that's... Just for you... firm for us, yeah. I don't... Wind's so hard because you make one mistake and you feel like you can make whatever, you know, huge score. So Mark likes it. Uh, he... I wouldn't. I don't know if he thrives in it, but he, he's growing up. It was definitely weird when it wasn't windy, so he 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 probably wouldn't think twice about wind. He you know mm. he just sees the direction. Oh, it's strong. I'll just hit this shot. Um, but yeah, firm conditions is is a huge plus for us. So. Mark's my pick for Carnoustie. What do you think of that? Never been. I don't. Think, I think that's one of the ones he hasn't been to either. So, but I love it. He loves every British Open. I was going to say, <laughs> yeah, T five, T two, and then T fifty three, and and sixteen, and then T six last year. Yeah, so he, three uh, top sixes in the last four years. Yeah, and it's I mean it's such what, a cool what, event. Why does it suit him so well? Um, Just the wind and the conditions. Yeah. So when to? we I guess growing up we grew up in like I said if it wasn't windy it'd be strange. Right. Um, and then it's firm, so we can hit. He's a really good long iron player as well, so he can hit two iron off a lot of holes, and it, it goes forever. And and a good putter in the wind. Um, the greens we grew up at home were, by today's standards, considered probably slow. So um, the greens don't worry him there. And yeah, he's I don't know it's a good fun week. He loves it. How many times it. a year does he hit driver off the deck? Certain courses. I mean, in Korea, Solly, when you were there, nearly every, three or four a day. <laughs> um, <laughs> He, you got to tell the story, the full story of what happened. Yeah, well, in nine. that was my first week using the no laying up towel. <laughs> Courtesy of yeah, <laughs> um, and we hadn't seen the course before. I had no idea what, we're, but all the par fives were like either just into the wind enough that it was it's set up that we could just get home. And then so I saw Sully over there, and I'm flashing the towel at him because Leach has got driver off the deck, and he hits it to like what eight, fifteen somewhere. Like that. He hit a good shot. It was a cr- and so that eighteen, the seventy second hole was one of the best shots I've ever seen him hit, but he was honestly considering hitting driver off the deck. <laughs> to an island green. To an island green, yeah. Into the wind, into a cold wind. What was the winner's share? Oh, it's it was... Like, an, it's like 1.8 1. 1. 1. or something like that. Yeah, it was yeah. ridiculous. I think Mark made a million for a second, so... Um, <laughs> it was... Yeah, so we had like 267 yards, which is not crazy about today's standard, but into the cold wind, playing, I don't know, at least 290 maybe. Um... Because I remember looking at my yardage book, and there's water that kind of runs into the bunker. There's no, there's kind of just the hazard lines in the sand. So I'm looking at that, going, "All right, we've got an extra like 12 yards to cover that water. If he doesn't get this, three woods not covering the water." And we had to hit a slight fade around the tree in the middle of the fairway. It's a weird hole because if you hit it too far, you're blocked out. So you kind of got to hug the left and hit it a certain distance. And we were like a little bit too far into the hill and a little bit too far right, so he did a slight fade. And he's like, "I said to him, I said." kind of walked in there after he was like ready to go. I said, we need to talk about this again. Like, you sure you want to, you know, this is a long three wood for us. And he's like, well, I'm going. So if you want me to hit driver, I will, but I'm going to, we're going for it. So it was like, I'm like, oh, <laughs> it was like, and you're perched atop this hill. So yeah, into the wind, exactly. the ball's going to be up there even longer. Exactly. And I'm, I said to him, well, I said, well, I don't think driver has to have, you have to cut it so much that I don't think it'll have so much size, but I don't think you can get it close. So he's like, all right, I'm hitting three wood. And he just like, didn't even fade it. He just hit this bullet, like carried the trees by like two feet. And and even Justin's three wood into there was just phenomenal to about 15 feet. So, But yeah, one of the best shots. Oh, that's such a good shot. Yeah, I've ever seen. Um, I think it was like, if it was a well-known tournament and it was like Tiger or Phil hit that shot, I mean, it'd be talked about forever, but you know, whatever. And it's the middle of night here yeah. too, so not a lot, probably not a lot of people say it. But well, that was—I don't know if uh, the golf channel lost its feed too. That's right. At yeah, some point. Yeah, so I'm yeah. not sure if it anyone did. saw it. It did. So I actually my wife to, was trying to watch. I had to live tweet that. Yeah. No one else was able to follow. That's at right. Home, yeah. But, uh, Forgot about that. Um, well, like the satellite was out of. The, <laughs> no, the, the playoff. Uh, the, so that was in regulation. That was so regulation. In the playoff yeah. actually that the. the uh, they didn't like arrange to have the satellite go past whatever hour they needed yep. it to, and you literally it, have to book the satellite. I don't know if it was a satellite or what, but it, it flipped back to the beginning of the broadcast, like on the <laughs> wow. golf channel back home. People yeah. were freaking out, and people stayed up till two thirty in the morning to yeah. watch the end of that, and then they lost the yeah. feed. They were pretty upset about that, but I feel like that just whole thing that sums up leash pretty well yeah. right there yeah. yeah it hit like the best shot i've ever seen it was in korea in the middle of the night and the tv feed went out <laughs> yeah, yeah whatever yeah but yeah you guys had like a 
an embrace after that <laughs> yeah. show because you were pumped up. I was, that was, I was pumped. I, sick shot. I love seeing, sh- like, no, I, I mean, I had the best seat in the house to see one of the best shots I've ever seen. Like, I, that was just, I was a golf, that was just a golf nerd yeah. reaction for me. Like, holy shit, I just saw that shot. Like, yeah. that was crazy. And then, obviously, we had a, then we had a putt to what would have been to go two in front. Obviously, Justin could have made eagle, but, um, and he ended up having a putt to do it. So it might not have been to win, but we had a putt which in the end would have been to win. So, yeah, it was... Yeah, we we actually connected on a good high five, yeah, too, which is good. important. Like, I feel like... The, That's what I remember the, the most about high fives are not, not great. And again, nobody's ever seen <laughs> it. Yeah, no one saw it. So. Uh, so, last year, I mean, you you go from... I think his, his highest earnings that he ever made on tour was $2.5 in 14. Last year, Mark earns $5.8 wins twice on tour. Mm-hmm. What was the biggest difference last year? Driving, as I said earlier, driving that the ball. Epic. That epic drive. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, and then he obviously Bay Hill. He won early, so it kind of took the pressure off the rest of the year. Um, but there were there were there wasn't many tournaments where starting the first round or second round we went in the top twenty-five. So that's. I remember on the web tour when we, when we on our, well, our only year out there. Greg Chalmers was the guy that was just so consistent and after every round he was in the top 25 and we said that to each other and then we kind of brought it up a couple more times because at the start at the start of the week in Bay Hill we were on the edge of Augusta 50th-ish in the world and we're like we're just not going to worry about the world rankings this year we're going to go and play if we have to play Reno we'll go play there we'll play every event we speaking my language yeah (laughs) we'll play every event that we feel like we want to or can and just go and make six million and not worry about and if we're in the top 20 in the world, that'd be great. If we're 80th, doesn't matter. If you make that much money, you're going to be fine. So, and crazy that he won that early and got in contention quite a lot. We were in contention before that a few times and just didn't pull it off. But um, You were in contention at Aaron Hills. Yeah. Yeah. Um, first year we made the cut in all four majors last year as well, which was nice. That was um, a goal going in. Yeah, definitely. Right? That was to a championship and all four majors. Obviously, win a major would be amazing, but... And I think that all four majors are underrated little tidbit on your little notch in the belt kind of deal. I think it's cool because um, to play all four majors is a bit of a, you know, it's a cool thing. And to make all four cuts to be there on the weekend is really good. I'm trying to not make this sound like a cheesy question, but, you know, he had all the stuff that happened with his wife and his family kind of the year mm-hmm. the year before that. Yeah. Was that at all kind of refocused? reprioritize things or kind of free them up yeah and like, i think hey, this is just golf you know? yeah definitely i mean because the 15 british wasn't not long wasn't it was like his third event back after that, I didn't uh, realize it was that far yeah back. it was really close he played i think new orleans and maybe greenbrier before that and then he went to the british um yeah it was definitely the first i don't want to say it's worn off because it definitely hasn't but you know when you when it first happens it's fresh in your mind and i'm sure he he might still think about it every day but it doesn't quite you know, when, he, when it first happened, it was like, man, I am just really happy to be out here because as good a dude as he was, he was just ready to step away and just be a dad. Um, that's what it called for and that's what he would have done. Um, there's no doubt in my mind. So, Well, for those that don't know, can you explain yeah, what so happened? She, um, she ended up getting a blood, I guess you call it a disease, sepsis um, infection. Um, and the blood travels around the body. It infected every organ. Um, so she... Uh, the only way for her body to recover was to put her in a coma. Um, and, and I hate going into too much detail, but Mark was Mark had to pretty much tell the doctors to bump the machine up to get her into a coma because she was kicking and screaming, trying not to go in there. Um, just to, just like, gives me chills still. Talking, like, and Mark would call me and hearing one of your best friends, you know, crying on the phone was, I mean, I wasn't going through heart. You know, obviously I love Audrey and I was feeling for her, but going, he was going really through it. And I'm just on the other end trying to be a good friend, but it was uh, it was a tough, tough thing to go through for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely think uh, it's hard to say it's changed him because he's still the same guy from the country boy from when he was 15, but maybe more mature and the way he thinks. And, and the foundation that they've uh, developed out of it is a really good thing for him. It kind of gives him even more to play for, if that makes sense. Like. He's almost representing the foundation every time he tees it up. So right. it's really good for him. He, he, Audrey's really, really heavily involved and, and Mark is as well, but it's great for both of them. It's a really good thing to come out of a shitty situation. Hmm. That's uh, It blows my mind too that she was given a 5% yeah. chance of, of surviving yeah. that. They say every organ, out. I guess, is 30% and she had basically all of them, five or six organs or something going. 
Man, that's crazy. Lovely well, high note we can end yeah. this thing on. Huh? <laughs> well, no, well, and then and then I think it was big like last year. Just like we met last year mm-hmm. in April, kind of right after the Bay Hill thing, and yep. then you know it was a, Audrey was pregnant. Yeah. And then for her to have, yeah, you know, to have, be able to have a baby, right? Yeah, and they, just yeah. seeing them at BMW. I don't. That's like one of my lasting memories yeah. of last year was just watching like the whole family running around in right. the green, on the green, just like thinking about yeah. how close they were. I mean, it's like, yeah, it's crazy. It's it's a really uplifting yeah. story, I would <laughs> yeah. say. Yeah. And when you look at it, look at it now, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, well, and they and they really really want another. Well, they wanted a girl. Um, they obviously wanted healthy to start with, but they wanted a girl really bad and. So for them to even get pregnant and then it turns out to be a girl um, comes in the year that they had was, you know, really, like you said, uplifting in the end. So, yeah, from a, in, you know, from a selfish perspective, just because you have to worry about your family as yeah. well. Like how much does that, how much does that affect you when, you know, your livelihood is dependent Definitely. on somebody else? Yeah. I mean, that's the thing I've struggled the most. I was in the bank yesterday talking to my banker and I'm, because my job's a tough one where, I mean, any job, I guess, you're not really guaranteed it. You can always get fired, but um, you just don't know what's going to happen in our in our job. Um, everyone starts the year at zero or the season at zero, and you can't really bank on last year. Last year was our best year, so do you think you can do that again? Of course, but are you going to? Who knows? Like, mm-hmm. So you just never know. And then, so yeah, when that stuff happens... I'll be lying if I said I didn't think about what I'm going to do if Mark doesn't play. Um, but it, it was it all happened so quickly. But that you didn't I didn't really think that far ahead when the whole when Audrey was going through her stuff. Um, he's just more so much more worried about them and I don't know. You mm-hmm. kind of just push the rest aside for a little bit and you'll worry about that later. But yeah, definitely when like Mark's had an interesting back issue for the last couple of years that you know he doesn't. He hasn't been 100, percent but it's getting it's getting a lot better, which is good. But you think about that sort of stuff for sure. I got you know wife and daughter to support now, and yeah, you, I'd be lying if I said you didn't think about it for sure. What um, what's the longest stretch you're on the road at a time? Mark doesn't like to play more than three weeks. Even that, if he's playing three weeks, the family will be out for at least one or two of them. Okay. So um, if I try and do the same, if we're going to be on the road for three weeks. Dip, Different if it's overseas or stuff like that, but um, three weeks is man, it's tough to be away from. And then you family. guys go to Australia pretty much every year for. A we go for a, yeah, at least one tournament. He loves going back to play and try and support that tour as much as he can. Um, and this year with the World Cup coming up, hopefully we play there. Uh, we'll definitely go down for one. Um, hopefully two or three, but um, and if and if we do that, both families will probably come. Um, we alternate all. Mark and Audrey alternate Christmases in Australia, so we try. If we're not having Christmas down there, we try and go down there for a couple of weeks and then come back down over here. So it's got to be pretty exciting for the Presidents Cup to go back there next year. Yeah, I, I I really like what. Um, I don't know if it's official or they are going to do it, but if they let Ernie set the course up how they how he wants to, if they can get that place as firm and fast as they can, I mean. We, we need all the help we can get with this young American team. They're they're a stud team. So the composite, yeah, the composite, <laughs> composite course. course. Um, I've never been around the composite course. I've only ever been to the west. This so, is Royal Melbourne. Yeah. So uh, I don't have any info on. I have a few holes, but you'll be looking forward to Metro. You can yeah. see John's yardage book. Yeah. <laughs> he can fill you in. Metro. I want your yardage book from Metro when you make when you make on the first. Stay time. out of that bunker. <laughs> number one. Yeah. Yeah. I was in the greenside bunker on one. He's in a couple of greenside bunkers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I was in like five greenside. I, I was in the greenside bunker in regulation on number one and made a nine. Yeah, that that yeah. place can he, get. He did vow to count every single one of his trips that day. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, content to come on that. The the bunkering and the greens at Metro. I think it's well. When I was there last, was the best conditioned golf course I've ever been to. So I always remember that. I mean, I'm sure it's not like that all the time, but man, it can get fast and you can putt balls and bunkers and we had a you can look 16 silly stimp one of the green oh really 16 stimp yeah it doesn't day. surprise me at all yeah. i've never seen anything like it yeah they're just like purple and oh, yeah they don't even the look like greens yeah, greens. yeah the putter slid so on yeah, green you gotta be careful getting down. the ball out of the hole yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> been there it was literally like there was there was rebar 
yeah. anything is. Yeah. <laughs> that could be. <laughs> That's probably my lasting memory of the Australia trip was putting out on 18 and looking behind the green and Neil is so exhausted he's just laying on the ground <laughs> <laughs> just trying to like get his feet under him. He got attacked by flies, I think. That's so. true, yeah. That is an issue down there. It's, it's brutal. Is. It's yeah. pretty bad. Yeah, we should do to... another podcast just about Australian, Australian golf, golf. Australian golfers. Yeah, love to. All that. Who yeah. was your, last question, who was your favorite Australian golfer growing up? Growing up, um, Greg Norman probably, but Adam Scott probably before when I when I was good enough to play, Adam Scott was winning tournaments. Like when I was sixteen, seventeen, enough to, to you know try and hit shots that he was hitting. Not that I could, but um, that's what I remember. Like trying to, I got the steel shafted driver because he had the steel shafted driver. <laughs> not that I could hit it, but <laughs> I wanted to be like Adam Scott. And he's not that much older than me, really. It's kind of weird, but. He had um, the Burberry deal. Yeah, yeah, and he's, he's a stud. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's turned out we've become pretty good friends. Mark and him are really good friends, but you know, Adam's uh, been nice enough to let us ride with him on his plane a couple of times, and you know, had a few nights out. So it's turned into a good fam- friendship. But yeah, it's been because Norman for me, like '86, I was born in '86. Yeah. So he went on. A, you know, obviously he was playing for a fair bit longer than that, but I just don't. I don't remember it, and I don't. You know, not a golf. I didn't get into it till I was like eight, so I didn't really. Mm. When Adam Scott was like, "What did he win the players in 01? Mm, yeah. I think so. Yeah. 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 So I mean, I was seventeen then, so it was oh one was, was, was prime, yeah. Or oh, fifteen then. Okay. 02 was Perks, right? Yeah, I feel like no, Adam was like 04. I, I think he was, was 04. Yeah. yeah, it was right. Well, makes more sense because I remember being like seventeen or eighteen. Yeah, yeah. So perfect. All right, Maddie, we'll end it at that. Thanks for coming by. Absolutely. Thanks for welcome Thanks to the Kill House. Yeah. And uh, we'll have to do this again. And best of luck to you guys next week at Augusta. Cheers. Thank you very much. Awesome. Uh, Thanks, man. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most.